Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the series finale of season 8 of Headstrong. My name is Louis Strong and I am the host of this podcast. Headstrong is a podcast, if this is your first time listening, where I sit down with a number of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and their careers, but notably I want to talk to them about their vulnerabilities to understand what the word headstrong means to them. Now, joining me on this final episode of Season 8 is the wonderful man, Lloyd Griffith. Lloyd and I met a few years ago when he was supporting Jack Whitehall on his Stood Up tour. Lloyd is an incredible comedian, but also an actor and singer. And we chatted about his new tour coming out next year, but also why singing is such an important part of his life and why it's so important for his mental health. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. But before we kick off, a quick note from our series sponsor, RCK Partners, who specialise in helping UK businesses claim R&D tax relief across the engineering, agricultural and tech space. If you'd like to find out about this valuable source of funding for your business, head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. That's rck.partners. Lloyd, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How's it going? Um, Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I am just poured a coffee. Perfect. Um, How do you take your coffee, sir? uh, Well, I've got it here. um, I do it in a little silver cafetiere. Very nice. Um, coffee that was bought for me by my sister for my birthday. She got me a coffee subscription for Perky Blenders, um, which I'd heard of. I don't like the name, but the coffee is very nice. So I've got their um, coffee of the week or the month. And then I have it with a brown um, Demara sugar. Yeah. And a. at the moment, I'm using a Califia Farms Oat Barista Blend um, milk. Usually go for uh, Oatly, but it wasn't in there. So is this, is this the kind of content you're looking for from me? Just yeah, let me ab- know what, what kind gold. of oat milk I use. Yeah, perfect. I didn't take you for an oat milk man, to be fair. I think that is, yeah, that is... Uh, a, lot, a lot of people are surprised by that. You know, the fact that I... Um, You'd definitely have me down as some sort of milkman, wouldn't you? Well, no, um, I, I'm a coconut milkman. I like the ooh. sweetness, and but it's very, it is very, very fatty. If I have too much of it, and I can tell, is it? Yeah, it's really fatty. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, that's know good. That. No, that's good content. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so, but I just, I just, I don't know why, and it's not dietary because I'm obviously a unit, but I don't like drinking that much milk. 
I, yeah. I used to drink loads of it. I used to have cereal every morning, but for whatever reason, and I don't know why, I um yeah, I'm using oat milk in me in me in me drinks, and very rarely drink actual normal milk. No, I, I can't say I drink a lot of normal milk either. I don't like knowing that it's come out of a cow's udder. I know that sounds really strange, but when I oh. actually think about the actual action of it, I'm thinking that's strange. Mate, I've I've drunk a lot of things, a lot more things from worse places. So <laughs> a cow's udder is the least of my problems. <laughs> if anything, that sounds quite appetizing. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, Lloyd, I'm I'm often quite pers- persistent uh with certain people to get on the show, people who I admire and respect from certain industries. And you're certainly someone that falls into that category. So when you did um reach Bless out you, when mate. you saw uh, saw I did uh, an episode with Tom Lucy, that that was really greatly received. So I'm really Really happy to get you on the podcast. So thank you. No, thank you. And it was um, it was one of them ones where you, I know you'd asked ages ago, and for whatever reason, mainly my bad administration, it's just like sometimes it takes something to remind you, doesn't it? Go, oh God, I, yeah, he asked me about this ages ago. So I um, and also I got a new phone. And I lost on my WhatsApp, so I couldn't find you on there. And I was like, mate, um, do, do you still want me on this? <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, absolutely, because it's. It's an incredibly exciting time for you because you have got an awesome new tour coming out next year called, go on, sir, you do the honours. Uh, one Ton of Fun. Um, it's basically me doing another stand-up tour show, but this is the biggest I've done, hopefully the funniest. Um, and yeah, no, I'm really excited about it. It's the first one I've gone out where I haven't had a theme per se. So it's just going to be, you know, effectively straight stand up with a bit of singing in there because I do a little bit of singing. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Going to some bigger places, had some nice little news about how much I've sold this week, which is quite good. So that's um, quite comforting to know that people are actually coming. Yeah, that's um, always nice to hear, isn't it? We've added more dates in certain places. Um, and yeah, no, I just. I just love touring. And I'm in that situation now where I'm writing it and trying out new materials. So I think I'm out gigging probably like four or five times a week at the moment, just trying new stuff out. And uh, it's, it, it, it's really fascinating. Like the other night on Tuesday night, I did two gigs in London. One at like, uh, there's a boat called the Tattershall Castle. It's moors um, on the Thames. Did that. And the material that went down really well there didn't go that didn't go down that well at the other one. And vice versa, as in none of it died, but it was just like the stuff that you go, okay, cool. All right. Well, that's the stuff I'll work on the next gig, literally 35 minutes later, they went for the other stuff as opposed to that. And I said, oh God. So you, you then are in this quandary to try and make both bits better. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating process to try and write stand up because what you think is funny in your living room or kitchen often isn't funny on stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got also got some serious dates on this tour. I think it spans over what, three months that are pretty chocker, isn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's about 45, 45 dates, which is quite nice. Um, I think it's, it work, basically works out about two months. Um, so end yeah. of January to end of March. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty full on. It's relentless. I think there's like maybe five, six days off on the whole thing. So yeah, Mondays are pretty hard to sell, I think in certain places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know so what we you just, mean. we just decided to go, right, let's just do Tuesday or Wednesday to Sunday. Um, but you know, I can't wait. Go to some places I've never been to before. So Western I- Supermare. I've never been there. Ever. No, no, I don't even know where it is. Uh, kind of West Country, near, near Bristol. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I was. Go- I wanted to talk to you about a particular date, because I know you've been there before, and I got some friends to go and watch you yeah. down in Lyme Regis. Yes. So that's at the Marine Theatre. So I uh, during lockdown, I lived there. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. You yeah. said that, didn't you? Yeah. So, and so I remember when you did your lot, well, whenever you were last in Nine Regis, I got a few of my mates who live there, went down to see you. Where do they but, go down? Cause it's a, it's a, cause it's a unique place to genuinely oh, go and talk. Cause it's miles away, but it's such a beautiful area. Why, why Lime Regis? What is that something to do with the, uh, your kind of tour promoting team or well, do you know what it was? It was actually, it was a weird one because I'd, I'd done a club gig there. So I was basically booked to MC this gig by a promoter who is, doesn't do promoting anymore. Like a really weird, corrupt guy that didn't really pay you. And uh, he was based down in, in Devon and he had this gig in, in uh, Lyme Regis. And we're talking maybe like four or five years ago now. Mm. And uh, I went and did it. 
And it was a lovely, it's, it kind of reminded me a little bit of home. I'm from Cleethorpes. Well, Grim, Grimsby and Cleethorpes I'm from. And Lyme Regis, beautiful little seaside town. And I went there and it was gorgeous. And the room, the Marine Theatre was absolutely beautiful. The, like the green room, you open the window and it's the mm. sea. It's great. And everything is quite picturesque about it. And this gig was nice, really nice gig. The people were lovely. And then the headliner, who I won't mention, had an absolute stinker, insulted the crowd. Half the crowd walked out. It was like really, I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Like, it, it, I don't know what was happening. And they, they explained they were having a few family issues and stuff like halfway through. But I was like, still, that's not, you don't bring that into it. Like, it was really weird. And I think because of that, the camaraderie, like I had to go on like, almost do like as a compare if you're comparing a gig the headliner goes on the headliner does well you basically at the end you do the parish uh, notices thanks for coming yeah. round of applause for everyone cheers on this i was like i had to do like five ten minutes at the end of not necessarily material but almost like apologizing and kind of like winning the room round so they didn't all that wasn't the last taste in their mouth and then from there i kind of always had people been up oh, We'll come back to Lyme Regis, come back to Lyme Regis. We'll never forget that night. We'll never forget that night. And uh, I was like, okay, great. Got to Lyme Regis. And I think it sold pretty well on, 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 on the tour. And I was like, who is here from that night? And there's like four people. <laughs> and I was like, where's this call? I've only put this on because I thought everyone was going to come back because of that night. And there were literally four people from the night. And I was like, oh, okay then, fine. All right. Cool. Oh, it's a idea. <laughs> it was, but it was lovely. It was a really, and um, you know, so when I've actually just signed to a new promoter, the same promoter as um, as, as uh, Jack's tours, which is how we uh, obviously know each other. Yeah. And um, they were like, "Are there any ones you particularly want to do?" I was like, "Definitely Grimsby, definitely Lyme Regis." Oh, that's good to hear. So, um, well, I mean, uh, to be fair, they were obviously, like, I'm not a lunatic. London, Manchester, Newcastle, obviously, were always in there. But of the ones that you wouldn't necessarily uh, think. The ones off them. the beaten track, should we say. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm was. i always going to ask where your favourite place to perform is, but having three gigs there at the end of your tour is probably the icing on the cake for you, isn't it? Well, so, it's now it's now five. There's been is two it more. five? Added. Look at five, that. Five nights in Grimsby. Um yeah, so Grimsby is a great place to perform, and I love it. But it's actually it's 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 a very different tour show because because I'm local to Grimsby, and because I like chatting to crowds. So I usually on on my tour, I'll come out and do twenty thirty minutes of, of of chat and material, but it'd be funny. And um, mm-hmm. uh, then I uh, bring out a support act. So I essentially I do support for my support act, which is a bit odd, but I, I just, I quite like doing that. I like it very much to be an experience where people feel like they've spent enough time with me. And um, that sounds pretentious, but I'm just going to crack on. Um, <laughs> in the, I, I like, you know, I like to, no, I to speak to people, you know, and I, I have, I've, I then I've written a show. So I want the show to come in the second half, but speaking to people helps the show um, because you can kind of like speak to go, oh, you'd know this being a plumber, or you know who's a live wire who you might be able to call on for a bit of inter- in, you know a bit of interaction and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I forgot what I was saying. Um, oh yeah, so Grimsby, yeah, sorry, because I like speaking to people. Grimsby is a very different show because you know you'll say stuff, and Peter K mentions this in his book. He's like, you can't get away with the stuff you talk about in a hometown show that you would do elsewhere. Cause you'll say a story, which is obviously has its origins in Grimsby or in Peter mm. case, um, Peter case, case Bolton. And people are like, well, that's not true. That happened to our Paula. And you're going, yeah, I know it. I know it did. It's like, well, no, your sister isn't that young. What are you on about? You're going, well, I know she's not, but I need, for, for comic purposes, you know, so it's, you have to ch- change quite a few bits really. And um, so, yeah, so Grimsby is, uh, it, is obviously up there as my favourites, but um, I have to say that like, there's no. Actually, there was one bad location last year, Great Torrington, and I won't be going back there again. Um, no, dis- <laughs> no disrespect. I don't know what they wanted, and it, I, I'm almost certain it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> oh, they really, they really like my support act. But I'd say like, love gigging Manchester, love gigging Newcastle, um, London, like Leicester Square Theatre. I absolutely mm. adore. Uh, and obviously, I want to be able to play arenas at some point, but I also do also just want to play Leicester Square Theatre for the rest of my life because it's just an amazing venue. Yeah, so, well, uh, I've got my brother tickets for his birthday. He's very excited. Oh, amazing. Bless you. Cheers, mate. Yeah, How old very... is he going to be? <laughs> he is going to be 28. Not that That's... young. 
Now that's fine, don't it? Keep no, it but he um, because he because obviously I got some tickets when uh, when we met when you were sporting Jack Whitehall, uh, and he came along and he th- thought you were hilarious. So bless him. It's just one that I've held in the memory and uh, was waiting for you to make your 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 comeback, your tour. So very exciting. <laughs> Now, I want to talk to you about kind of stamina with a tour, because as you say, yeah. there, you kind of got like five or six days off for your duration of the tour. Do you enjoy that hitting the road and ha- being kind of relentless, always on the go, or is it actually physically and mentally exhausting? It's a bit of both, really. I think what I, I did a tour, I think three tours ago, and it was quite sporadic. It was set over maybe five months. And I didn't enjoy it because I kind of just wanted to, do it in one full swoop. And I think it's, you know, the best way to describe it. And I've never really said this before. It's a bit like a tournament. You know what I mean? You train for a tournament and then you do the tournament. And so the fact that I'm doing this in two months, I think just means I'll be really match fit leading up to it. And then once I'm doing it, I'll be as match fit as possible. And we'll sadly get better as the tour goes on. I don't think ever you ever get tired from it, you know, you're able to, you know, I won't drink on the tour. I'll be trying to get some exercise and stuff like that because you want to be as, you know, smart as possible with it. You don't want to be letting people down. You know, I don't want to be, you know, if I have a bad gig, I mean, I just beat myself up about it. So it's quite physically demanding because, you know, you are talking for at least two hours a day, mm. nonstop. And I do a lot of singing. There's quite a lot of exertion. So I, I do need to be careful with my voice. That's like a big thing for me. So I have my, my steamer that I take on tour with me. I have these weird little tubes that I put into bottles of water that I do some like weird um, blowing techniques with. <laughs> um, I have my echinacea and sage spray. I'll have my manuka honey. Like there's a real, there's a little, there's a tote bag of stuff that basically keeps me going. And then mentally, you know, I, I think once you're in the space of going on tour, like, and this is obviously all very different to each comedian, but I just, I just love it. Do you know what I mean? The only problem that you might have is uh, tour sales, you know, and then on the last tour, I was pretty lucky. And I think only four or five tours needed to be plugged. Um, the beauty of going out on tour with Jack Whitehall is if you do a 10,000 seater arena in Leeds, your 220 seater tour show at the wardrobe will sell out overnight and that's great when you're not doing that you know it's it's very different so on this one i think the mental issues are going right has the tour sold out is it all okay and then you can concentrate on the show so there's different different like angles at it but yeah i do love going out there and doing it in one one full swoop because i do think you are ultimately kind of like match fit it's like edinburgh edinburgh fringe festival Mm. You know, that's the only place where you can effectively gig every single night yeah. uh, for a month. And then a tour is the only place that you can do that. But obviously, you've got to then go to them, and there's a lot of driving. But um, that's down to the tour manager. <laughs> Are you pretty good at falling asleep in a car? Um, yes and no. Like, when you come off stage, your adrenaline's pretty high. So it's it depends. I think we've got a three-hour rule. So basically, if we can get home within three hours, we'll go home. Mm. Um, and if we're if we're not three hours from home, then we'll 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 stay in the in the area and come back the next day. Um, but basically, I used to drive myself the whole time, and this is the first time I've got a tour manager because we're going into bigger rooms. It's a, you know a bigger tour, so I've got a tour manager for the first time, which is obviously brilliant. And uh, Luke, good lad, I've known him for years. He's going to be driving. He lives down the road, so I will do a bit of the driving because I love driving. I'm, yeah, like, not, I know. Not to sound like you know. Um, Jeremy Clarkson but I just you know I do love you know I think it's part and parcel of going on tour you know he's, he's been able to drive and you know I know the uh, motorway services of the UK intricately I can imagine you'd probably rank them but yeah. uh, let's talking talking about going back to that kind of new material as you said you're testing out material now a few nights a week seeing what lands what doesn't land ultimately work in progress for yeah. the tour how does that work in terms of your own concern and worries? Are you always happy that it's going to kind of come together for the for the big shows? Or do you have that kind of like anxiety of being like, I need to make sure I put together the best show possible. And when something doesn't land, you're a bit like, ah, shit. Like, yeah. You know. uh, what I've learned and, and writing shows as you've got older, and this is purely, you know, being a comedian, as you, as you get um, older, more experienced, I guess, better, writing a show becomes easier because you know how to write a show. And what's beautiful about 
having a tour and people that will come and see your tour is that you've got people that will come and want to see you as well so you know it's just sometimes when like for example when you do edinburgh you know you can do a show and people don't know who you are and if it's not not i'm saying if it's not funny the whole time you know it can be a bit you know a bit of a tough one so people want to come and see you you know w w when you're doing a tour they they've invested i say the majority of them have invested to come and see you so it's um i'm not saying you can get away with murder you know and but but it's quite nice in that there's um you know they're invested in you straight away so they got they're, they're there to see you so they're not there to see someone else if that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah so it's like they know your genre you don't need to win them over well yeah but also and i think that you, you shouldn't rest on your laws with that you absolutely still need to win them over and you know still be like i'm still funny mm -hmm. i mean i'm still you know but um writing new material what i've realized as well is that i really enjoy writing this you know shows and it evolves as say i'm going out end of january on tour i started first doing previews for this tour january last year so i think i did like two or three new material kind of like 40 minute slots and then went to the leicester comedy festival and did like a few hours there and honestly the stuff that's in that show that i did then is absolutely not in the show that now do you know I mean so it always evolves and you mm. kind of like, i like you know putting together shows that you go oh, i wonder if i wonder if that's going to be in what if that's going to be in the set, you know, when I come around to doing it? It's a bit like as a football fan, you know, in pre-season and the first few games of a season, you know, I support Grimsby Town. I always take a screenshot of the 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 squad that starts the first game of the season because I'm interested to see who's actually still in that squad at the end of the season. You know, once uh, you know, once the, the the managers found a team that gels and stuff, and it's a little bit like that with this. You go, I wonder what what's going to make the cut because mm. you know there'll be stuff that you really want to put in there, but it just doesn't fit in, you know, with the show. And you go, oh, actually, that's just that just seems a bit clunky. It's a really good bit, but maybe it's for another show. And every year, I go through my old joke books. I've got like there's a couple here, like there's three joke books here of stuff from previous years mm. where I'll just go through them and see what didn't make the cut from previous years. Go, oh yeah. I loved that bit, but it just didn't work in there. So, you know, there is an anxiety that it doesn't work, but I think as you get older, as you get better, you realize it, it does work. You've just got to trust, trust yourself really. Um, and once you've got out of that initial anxiety of me, you know, trying out material and it dying on its ass. And there's usually a rule of three. If you do it three times, it gets nothing. You bid it really but if it gets a titter in one of the three you go okay cool well it, it could it could work but ultimately it should be funny relatively straight away i mean obviously that's something that is always going to be included in your work is some some music orientated aspect which is yeah. obviously stems from your childhood and, and indeed your training so let's talk about music as a child where did that where did that passion and kind of talent in fact first first kind of arrive in your life well um no one in my family was was musical um i went to a normal comprehensive school in grimsby and then i was given an opportunity to go to this choir school which was like a, a, a private school in grimsby the only one in uh, one or two in grimsby and um essentially it was was uh there was a choir there and i really liked the choir and i joined the choir and then from there on in nothing else mattered like i obviously love football i loved going to school but i was just obsessed with this choir the discipline of it you know what i mean the fact that this group of lads could just sing and pretty amazingly to be fair i was just bowled over by it so then the discipline as i say like started from there really you know learning to how to read music how to sing how to play different instruments and I was chatting about this the other day to a friend. I was like, when I, I went to university and read music and there was, I didn't even entertain anything else. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be a musician. That's all I'm going to do. You know, it's the only, not only thing I'm good at, but it was just, this is what I'm going to do. So yeah, essentially um, did, did that and loved it. And I'm really lucky that I still do it. Obviously then, you know, comedy's taken over, but I, you know, I've just been involved in this opera 
um, at Grange Park, which was brilliant. Mm. Um, got a few musical things coming up. So, yeah, I could never drop it. I could never leave it. Like, I just, I just love, I love, uh, I love singing. What is it that is so captivating for you about music? Is it that kind of uh, release from reality? Or is it that kind of the the feeling of singing with loads of people in a choir? Yeah. Is it a yeah. way of expressing emotions? What, what is yeah. it? Or is it an amalgamation of those kind of things? Amalgamation, a real amalgamation. Like I, I, I didn't realise how heavy I relied on singing for my mental health until the pandemic where I, I didn't sing at all. I didn't think mm-hmm. for like two years. Obviously singing on my own. And... I could have gone to music college um, when I moved to London to to become a like a, a proper professional solo singer, um, and I, you know all my friends have gone down that route, gone to the Royal College, Royal Academy, Trinity, and are now opera singers. And I think there's a reason why I didn't, you know, and there's a, a few reasons why I didn't. And one of the main reasons why is like I didn't enjoy singing on my own as a soloist you know i was capable of it and i was good and like you know without sounding arrogant i could have done a career in it but i just preferred singing in groups in consorts in choirs and um i think that's the thing that i love more than anything is the fact that it's a repertoire as well like the re- i just love the repertoire you know of, of all the you know the back catalogue of, of of choral music and it's that togetherness it's also the sound but also like this sounds really wanky and I'm sorry, just transports you to a different place. Like when I'm singing, um, it's like nothing else matters. I just love it. Even thinking about it now, it gives me a little kind of like, you know, um, backs tingling a little bit because just to be in, let's just say, for example, St. George's Chapel, Windsor Castle, singing mm-hmm. an even song on a, a Thursday or a Saturday in November, December, where it's essentially candlelit inside, it's dark outside. You've got that real ethereal feel to it. And the music you're singing is just out of this world. And you're there with 30 other people, you know, 12 men, 20 boys. And you're singing, you're, you're, you're coming together to sing this, whatever piece of music it is, let's just say it's a, a, you know, a nice bit of Latin polyphony. You're, you're coming together and, there's no room for error. And I think that's why I like comedy so much is there's so much room for error. So I have these two disciplines. I have the, 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 the singing where I can't put a foot wrong. If you do, you fucked it. Whereas if I put a foot wrong in comedy, it's funny. So it's, yeah, I think, I think what I love is this, the fact that I love the limelight on the stage, but I absolutely hate the limelight um, in the choir. You know what I mean, I, I, I blend into blend into those, um, that, 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 that body of people. Um, but I love it. Like even talking about it now, like I just cannot wait for it to, you know, to get back singing again. No, absolutely. And when you talk about kind of music at school, was it very much focused? Your, your, your kind of your sole focus was, was with music and that was what made school enjoyable. Well, um, I think the friends made it enjoyable. Um, uh, you know, but I just love the fact that I was going to school every day. And, you know, when I was a kid, being a chorister, we sang even song Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, two services on Sunday. And then we had a rehearsal Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, eight o'clock before school every day. Wow. On Wednesday, we had orchestra at eight o'clock. So there was just this discipline. And I think that, you know, I loved my friends who didn't sing in, in the choirs. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for singing. Like there's no two ways about it, you know, just obviously for the fact that it then, the fact that I got this scholarship to the school because of my singing was, was mad. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the singing and the discipline is, is, is like nothing else. And I always say, if anyone's having children, I go, look, do consider putting them in a church or well, a cathedral choir, ideally, because the standard is obviously a lot better. You can get essentially if you've, um, you know, if you're, if you aren't able to afford private tuition, you know what I mean? Like a private school, being a singer is actually one way of being able to do it. Mm. Cause if you're means tested and this is what happened with us, like my mum, my mum couldn't afford the, the school lunches. Do you know what I mean? Like so we, 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 I got a hundred percent free education because, um, because I could sing, you know what I mean? And I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and obviously she was means tested they basically like how much do you earn and was like I'm on absolute minimum wage they're like okay cool that's fine do you know what I mean and then we would 
given free tuition. And then my mum just had to basically, wish she could afford the school dinners and bless her, she did. But, you know, it was a struggle. And I always say to other people who, you know, might want to give their kids, uh, you know, uh, as good an education as they can, do consider going to like a cathedral school. And, you know, because there is a pot of money for, for, for kids from backgrounds where money isn't, you know, on offer. To, to go and to go and sing and just this discipline that you get with it. I keep mentioning the word discipline and <laughs> it sounds like but is it, I mean, as in it's not discipline as in you get told off as in just to be able to read music singing together turning up on time yeah I absolutely loved it so I mean this has turned into some sort of like mobilization for choruses in <laughs> in England <laughs> <laughs> this is your calling, people. I know, this is really weird. This isn't how I thought this would go, but here we are. But you briefly touched on it there with lockdown, and you said that music is massively important for your mental health. So when yeah. we, when did you first become aware of your own mental health? Lockdown. Really? Yeah, yeah. lockdown. Like, I, um, I'd never suffered with any anxiety or any kind of, should we say, sadness. And then it wasn't until lockdown where I was like, oh, What's this I'm feeling? And I think it was because everything that I do in life had just been cut off and, you know, I wasn't able to gig, you know, and it, 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 I guess it was quite, you know, it was the extremity to which it happened. I'd just been on tour with Jack Whitehall, half a million people up and down the country, 10,000 people a night. Do you know what I mean? People loved you. Your social media following is going up by a thousand every single night. Your tickets to your tour is selling out. I then go on my tour. It's like, great. This is amazing. I do 10 nights of that. It then gets pulled. I then I'm in a flat on the fourth floor in London on my own. And you're there being like, I can't do anything that I do, you know? And obviously I am not in the worst situation in the world. There were so many people, millions of people, much worse situation, but you can only deal with what you're, Mm. you know, having to deal with. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, I was really lucky and I just got mild anxiety, but I think it was, out of the fact that I wasn't able to be able to perform, be it on stage or be it in a choir. And when comedy was coming back, when things were coming back, I was able to then go and perform. I was like, oh, this is all right. Okay, this is fine, yeah. And then there was still this little thing in the back of my head. And I was like, and it turns out it was singing. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't until I went and actually did some singing a week of, week of singing where I was like, oh, singing essentially has been my therapy unbeknownst mm. to me for 38 years you know i've i've just i've i've always had you know as i talked about earlier you know you just this 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 weird kind of ethereal belonging and obviously that has just been keeping me ticking over for however many years so um i was still going having like singing lessons during the pandemic but again as i say it wasn't a part not of the, the choir. It's not the same. So um, I've kind of made an extra special uh, effort to, to to do more singing. And if it means that I'm just doing it for like a, a small amateur choir, then so be it. Do you know what I mean, I'm not looking to make money. I'm looking to keep myself ticking over. That's really nice. I, I like that a lot. Do you get to, do you get to do it a lot? Because you're a busy man and you've got your fingers in many pies. It's not just yeah. the comedy. You've got your acting going on. You've got all your singing. And there are so many other things that you're doing. I have no doubt you're doing a plenty of writing as well. So do you get time to fit that in? You, uh, the thing is, I've, I've got to make time. That, and that is the, that's, I think, the one thing that I've learned is that you have to make time for whatever it is that helps your mental health. You know, I've got friends that will have to go on a walk every day. I've got friends that will have to do their mindfulness twice a day. You know, you've got friends that will have to go to the gym and do a specific routine, speak to people. So you've got to, I think it's whatever it is that that helps you, you have to ensure that you maintain that schedule. And so for me, it is basically trying to get as much singing in as possible. And it's not always possible. And, you know, and it is at the detriment of earning money, you know, because you go, all right, well, I've got this job and then it's a six week job. And when am I going to sing? It's like, well, okay. So, you know, there there are various groups and people that I know that I can just tap up and go, any chance you can come and sing, (laughs) you know, and it's very different to me being a professional singer where, you know, people approach you and go, we need you to step at this date. You need to step at this date. I was actually going out and emailing people like, I, I need to come and sing somewhere. I don't really want paying. I just need to, to sing. So I have to make a conscious effort. And I actually, um, coming up to Christmas, you know, we'll be absolutely putting the feelers out and being like, look, just 
let me help you let me help bolster up a choral society in Penrith do you know what I mean or you know <laughs> kind of help with a barbershop quartet in Brixton or whatever it is I mean I'm trying to make it rhyme but um, yeah you just got to make time and that is I think that's the one thing that I just didn't didn't realise is you, you've got to make the time in order for it to work I mean that's kind of kind of leads on to my next question then being self-employed is one of those things where you feel like you've always got to constantly be busy Mm. Uh, and you kind of there's t technically no time to switch off because you're the one who creates your own money and yeah. your own employment etc are you quite good at saying to yourself right i need to switch off i need to maybe no. have a morning you're bad at that are you yeah really bad really bad and it's, it's something that come up with me and my girlfriend we're both self-employed i'm on my phone the whole time and it seems like i'm addicted to my phone and it's I guess to a point we're all addicted to our phones, but essentially that is my office. You know what I mean? That is, that's the thing that keep, keeps work coming in. And, you know, I do struggle. Well, I went away this weekend. It was my birthday weekend and uh, birthday weekend. Who am I? <laughs> I? I had a birthday on the Thursday. We went away Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and also we went away Friday afternoon, came back Sunday morning. So essentially we had Saturday, you know, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to sound yeah, like yeah. some sort of like, <laughs> Um, mad fucker. Um, although I, I, anyway, so I went away and again, yeah, having to just put my phone away for, a, you know, like half a day, I struggled and, you know, I, because it's like, oh, um, oh, right. Uh, what's, what's going on? You know, because it's, it's the source of, it's the source of my income is, you know, I started wearing a watch so that I can tell the time on my hand and not have to go to my phone and then get distracted when I look at my phone. Mm, I've, I've got yeah. that problem. So I, I have to, I wear a watch now. It's not on at the moment because I'm um, going to the gym after this. But uh, I I wear a watch so that I don't look at my phone. And it is hard to switch off because, you know, I do want to be busy the whole time. And I think I am quite a motivation motivated person in that, you know, tonight I'm supposed to be having a night off. I'm supposed to be today... I'm uh, writing. I've got a writing. So I'm going to the gym and then from about 12 o'clock, I would spend 12 till about seven writing the show um, in a workspace that I've got down the road. And I go there and I work on it. And then uh, my live book yesterday sent me an email being like, can you go and do this gig in Henley? Um, it's a last minute dropout. I was like, yeah, 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 I could do that. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, a mate of mine, Rich was like, can you close this gig in Hayes? I'm like, well, it's on the way home. So I, I could do that. Yeah. So what was, you know, I've, I've been gigging every night this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, tomorrow night. I am not gigging. I'm doing something else, but I'm doing voiceover for like four or five hours and going to Grimsby. So Saturday is a day where I'm having, I'll have Saturday off and that'll be nice. Sorry to interrupt you, Lloyd, but if you're looking to take advantage of R&D tax credits to boost your business's cash flow, RCK Partners can help you. Simply head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. That's rck.partners. Now, back to the podcast. So Saturday is my day off, but I do struggle to... to um to try and put in downtime and holidays as well. Like again, uh, me and my girlfriend have been together two years and we've only had one holiday abroad, like proper um, getaway beach, nice two week stint. Um, we've been to Paris a few times and, you know, we've done a lot when during lockdown, we did a lot of UK holidays, but now she's put an end to that. She's like, no more UK holidays, but it's, you know, it is, we're trying to get more holidays booked in, but I kind of sadly love working. And I've, I think actually Jack made a really important point on his desert Island discs where I think, I think it was Kirsty was interviewing him said, you know, you're very busy, you know, you're doing everything. And he's like, you know, you've got to make hay while the sun shines and, I, you don't know how long you're going to be relevant for mm. and you don't know what that next gig will bring. And it's not healthy, I think, to just completely work the whole time. But, you know, like last night, you know, I did a, a showcase for my agents and, you know, I'll do that because you just don't know who, who will be in. And I did this gig years ago and um, it was in, it was in just outside of Leeds, a place called Thorner. Um, 
and it was run by the lady that booked Leicester at uh, Leeds and Reading Festival, um, Tanya. And she was like, look, we put on this gig every year. It's basically for the residents of Thorner. Their village gets trampled on during Leeds Festival. So uh, around December, I put on this uh, event. And it's a comedy f- thing. And she's she's booked it and everyone's done it. Jack's done it. Um, Kevin Bridges has done it. Jack D's done it. Like Everyone throughout the years has done it. And, you know, Tanya is a great booker. Anyway, I did this gig and it's in a village hall on the outskirts of Leeds. You know what I mean? It's very provincial. And it was rowdy. It was lovely. And you didn't think anything of it. It was just a normal gig on a Saturday night in Leeds. And there was someone there, a booker for a Netflix show who randomly just saw that Russell Kane was doing the same gig. Knew Russell Kane was like, right, I'll come along to this. Saw me improvising on stage i did one joke i was comparing i did one joke the whole night and they were looking for someone a comedian that could improvise with the crowd and i got this netflix show off the back of it and it is always and i always just think about going it doesn't matter what gig you're doing it doesn't matter what work you're doing it could lead to more work and you just don't know who's in that crowd who's in that team you know you do films you know i've i've been really lucky and i've just um filmed a uh uh, Russell T Davis's new um, ITV drama called Nolly, where Helena Bonham Carter plays um, um, Noel Gordon, the title role, you know, and I, I, I'm in that because I obviously auditioned for it, but I've been in It's a Sin for like a small yeah. scene and Peter and Russell remembered that. So it's almost like, if you know, always do a good job when you turn up and you never know what happens off the back of it. And that's why I'm, I find it quite hard to switch off, going back to your question and going, well, yeah, but if I turn down that gig, I don't know who will be there. And I could get, you know, so this gig in Henley tonight, I've got no idea. You know, it could be there could be some, like, banker that goes, oh, actually, will you come and do our Christmas corporate? It's X amount of money going, yes, I'd love to. Perfect. Or it could be, you know, yeah. And it's, you know, I found my the support act who's doing the rest of my tour. I just saw him by chance at a gig that I turned up. I wasn't going to turn up, you know, until my, my end slot at a gig in Lincoln. And I turned up in the middle bit because I spent the day with my mum. And um, I saw him and, you know, I was like, oh, I'm glad I saw him because now I've got like a really, you know, support act that you know, I can, can do every day of the tour and I'm, you know, so it's just, I find it hard to switch off because I just don't know what's, what opportunities are there. And it's a, it's a problem. You know what I mean? It's, it is a problem when you're um, freelance and I'm sure you've got it where you're, you know, trying to find that work balance of going, right. Yeah. Well, well, when is me time? Do you know I mean like, when do I, when do I book in my singing? Do you know what I mean? I don't know what, what your mechanisms are, but what, you know, what do you do to switch off? I mean, I, th- I've got a dog, so I, think what Brilliant. i just i make sure that when i get up that's i go outside we go for a walk and i listen to a podcast and i yeah. think starting off in a routine like that for me because i'm not a massive fan of the gym and i need to get back into it to be fair but yeah. just having fresh air going outside and then just kind of just kind of switching off auto- yeah. almost immediately at the start of the day and then i go right i've had that time to myself now yeah. i can invest in other people invest in everything else that's going on uh, and, and kind of see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's really important for me. Eating well as yeah. well, I think, is really important. Yeah, 100%. Eating, eating and not drinking. You know, I found, as well as I've got older, like, I what, turned 39 last week. Um, it was my birthday week. And <laughs> um, alcohol is one thing that just absolutely chips away at me now. Yeah, sure. I used to, like, at university, I went to Exeter. Exeter's quite a boozy. Well, so did of, I, like, mate. Uh, did you? Yeah. Have we chatted about this or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. Where did you? Where? What halls were you in? I was in Holland. Like I was fulfilling every stereotype. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So for the listener, <laughs> that is the sloniest, poshest halls you could <laughs> like. They were unbelievable. Oh no, Holland. Yeah. 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 Right at the top Holland, of the hill. Right at the top. Yeah. Because they were basically being built as we were there. So I'm obviously uh, right. a, little, a little bit older than you. But <laughs> we, we had a little look round of them when they were completed. It was like, oh my god, there's like a five-star complex um i think marden was the like the posh marden one was that, next door the one it was kind of very harry potter-esque yeah like a stately home we were in like these uh doryards um which essentially was a prison um <laughs> but with quite nice food uh but with people from um every posh school going and state schools a lot of you know x was one of those ones where it was just a complete mix yeah you just had the sloan rangers you know what i mean in their in their gilets <laughs> and then you had just like 
on, on our on our corridor i'd say it was like 70 percent, you know uh just normal working class people and then like three absolute slow rangers um but yeah it was a real real mix and i, I loved it you know because yeah, it, it, like, it was great it was you know but there's a, a big drinking culture at exeter huge drinking culture and i honestly would would go out every night of the week apart from saturday night locals, like saturday night. locals night but also because i crucially had choir on sunday oh, <laughs> and it, so it, worked, it worked out it worked out perfectly for me um so yeah so we i wouldn't really go out friday and saturday was that ones where you'd kind of like almost chill out then midweek it literally started sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday so sunday night it would be usually world beats at timepiece or arena monday it'd be like arena or vaults tuesday would be arena wednesday would be timepiece thursday would be arena vaults or boxes and boogers you know I, and it it was just relentless and you drink. And then as I like moved to London, I'd still keep drinking now. Like if I drink, like last night I had this showcase, I had two beers. I was like, I can't drink any more than that. Otherwise tomorrow is going to be a struggle. If I have a big, big night now, like the next day is just me texting people saying, do I need to apologize for last night? Mm. <laughs> you know, just the beer fear kicks in and that day's a write off. And it's quite sad. And I've got a few friends that have said that they've done that and they're coming out the other side. And I really hope that there is, you know, I have a mate, Steve, best mate, Steve, he, he don't get hangovers anymore. I'm like, what? What? I honestly have been so close to calling 111 after a few hangovers, being like, this isn't a hangover. Like, I've got to have some sort of disease. Like, this is... Mine's, I can feel my insides rattling. Um, but yeah, so alcohol is a big thing and eating, you know, like eating, you mm. know, I'm a big chubby lad. Um, my cousin, again, cause it's my birthday month. My cousin just sent me a hamper of cheese. I cannot oh tell my. you how many fucking, so many cheeses. And I'm like, Oh God, like I, oh, I need to lose weight, but I've got 30 different cheeses in my fridge now. <laughs> So it's just, yeah, a bit. I'm having cheese with everything at the moment. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Spaghetti bolognese, salad, Weetabix, get cheese on it. So, um, yeah, e- eating healthy is like a, is, is a really big thing. And eating healthy on tour is a big thing as well. Yeah, I bet. Like, I bet. Because it's so easy to thing. go in for Burger King and yeah. roll yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, even, oh, it sounds, again, quite boring, but... Pretty much every morning, I have a very healthy smoothie, which consists of kale, frozen berries, some protein powder, almond milk. And I'm like, if I've done that, I know that, well, I'm getting some good stuff into my body every day. And on tour, I take my Nutribullet on tour with me. And, you know, we'll try and get as many frozen berries and kale as possible. And yeah, but you just have to, you you know, you have to. The last thing I want to talk about is kind of friends and particularly friends in the industry, because of course it's uh, an ultra competitive world that you work in, in in the comedy world that is. Um, But of course you call many of them your friends as well. But how, how often do those lines blur in the sense of you hear of, you know, uh, one of your, one of your pals, get some incredible thing and you go oh yeah i'm really happy for him on a friend front but actually on a work front i'm like i'm quite jealous you know does that ever happen do you get those blurred lines there's only been one occasion where someone got something that i felt oh actually i should have got that and it was quite a specific job and um but the rest of it i think you you absolutely can feel like that but in this industry there's so much work to get you know, it's not like you're going for, all going for the same job. Often the case, we are going for the same job. You know what I mean? And um, it's, I think, I think majority, it is every man for himself. It is every woman for himself. It is, you know, it, you know, you are going up against your friends for a job on a panel show or presenting a new reality TV show or a voiceover for that reality TV show or an acting job. You know, you are going up against your friends, but I'm quite lucky that I don't get caught up in that. There's, there was one, you know, where I did chat to my agent. I was like, Look, I actually am pretty gutted about not getting that. I thought that I should have had that and you know, blah, blah, blah. After a while, you just got to drop it. Do you know what I mean? Um, also as well, like I'm trying to carve out, a career where I'm doing different stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, and you know, now that I've hopefully established myself as a, as a comedian, it's then going, right. I want to do more singing stuff. I want to do more 
football and singing stuff. I want to do more acting. And so that you're not, um, you don't feel like you're just all going for the same, you know, years and years and years ago, you know, I used to write for Mot the Week and um, they made it pretty clear that they were, weren't that interested in booking me. And so they run in, I was like, well, there's no point in me try, trying. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to. If they don't want me, then I don't want to kind of, um, I don't want to belittle myself by, oh, can you come to this? Can you come to that? And all mm. I will say is, you know, who's still going? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. Um, it's a great show. And I think it's a massive error on the BBC by getting rid of it. Yeah. Joe Lysis said a really interesting thing years ago that has always kept in my head. And he was like, he, he basically said, I don't want to have the same career as anyone else. I want to have a completely different career. And you look at Joe and Joe has absolutely lived up to that. Do you know what I mean? Whilst he will be, you know, a guest on a panel show and he'll do live at the Apollo. You know, he, he is someone that absolutely has carved out his own thing and it's amazing. And I think it's a, a perfect example of how people should, 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 you know, try and approach their careers of going, I don't want to just do the mock the week, do a tour to art centres around the country, says a man about to go on a tour doing art centres around the country. Some theatres, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I just think, just carve your own carve your own career. Do you know what I mean? Just figure out what you want to do and just just try and go for it as, mu as much as you can do. Um because otherwise, I think you do get yourself wrapped up in this, oh, my God, they've got this, oh, they've got that. You know, so that's why, you know, I'm pitching all sorts of mad, absurd stuff that only me would suit. I mean, I'm essentially trying to get a show where I sing in cathedrals and it's a little bit funny, okay? And if anyone tries to get that, if anyone were like, if I've seen that Sean Walsh had just been given this show where he tours cathedrals singing and it's a little bit funny, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me, Sean? And I would have a word with my agent being like, I th this should have been me. <laughs> but yeah. this he can't even sing. He doesn't know anything about cathedrals. You know what I mean? He's very funny. He's very funny. But it, I think that should be me. So um, I think, I think the, the, you know, and always make sure you're happy. That's something that John Kern said to me. He's like, just always make sure you're happy on stage and in your work. You know what I mean? If you're doing a job where you're like, oh, God, I don't really, is this me? And, you know, you should, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. So, um, yeah, they're the two things that I would always, that I always in my mind just think back to. A hundred percent. Now, my final question that I ask every guest is, what does the word headstrong mean to you? The word headstrong, I think for me, it's just believing in yourself that the practices that you've put in place, beknownst to you or unbeknownst to you, you kind of you go through with them. So we were talking earlier about, you know, you going on your walk and you go listening to a podcast. It's me trying to find some singing time, eating the right food, being able to go to the gym at least two or three times a week, doing a, a, a run at least once or twice a week. If you can basically put those practices into place, I think not to sound as cheesy as anything, but your head will be strong. I mean, like you've got to, you, some people are really lucky and they don't need that. Do you know what I mean, I've got a few friends. He's like, look, I'm just really lucky. I don't have anxiety. I don't have depression. I don't feel sad. I just get on with life. And he's like, and that is fine. He's like, I don't know if I will do it at some point. And that's an amazing place to be in. And, you know, fair play to you. But if you do, you know, like I, I've had to do this over the last two years is, is to figure out, right, what do I need to do in order to get by, in order to not get a little bit down and not get a little bit sad. And I think if you... Obviously, not everyone's going to find their way straight away. But once you do find this process, this routine, then I think for you, you then do become headstrong. And then everything from there on in works better for you. It will take some tinkering. It will take some kind of like fine tuning. But once you've got that, I think you're then onto a, onto a bit of a winner. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like it. No, no, I completely, I completely get where you're you're coming from totally i think it's really important what does headstrong uh, mean to you and i'm sorry if you've said it already on a previous no point. no no not at all uh headstrong to me uh is i th well so the way that i kind of sell it in in an email to guests and whatnot is to believe in yourself mm. to talk, talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth 
So it's kind of making sure that you are comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Um, but also show those vulnerabilities, I think. Yeah. Because I, I think, but it's, you know, having that kind of traditional outlook that probably are, you know, people older than us have, you know, stiffening up your upper lip. Yeah. That, that is, that does not exist anymore, in my opinion. Mm. It certainly shouldn't. Um, and okay, maybe there's a time and a place for it, but I think that being able to talk about how you feel makes you actually stronger, if that makes sense. Hundred percent. And I think that talking is a is a huge part of of it. And I guess I'm lucky in that I have an outlet in that I can speak on stage and stuff. By no means does that fill that quota. You know, I have I've had three different therapists um, in the last like seven to ten years. Um, and they've they've all helped. Do you know what I mean? Just being able to speak to someone that isn't a friend, that doesn't ha, has no judgment, but also at the same time speaking to friends that do have judgment. And you know, I've, I'm really really lucky in that I've got like amazing friends around me, um, friends that aren't in the industry, friends that don't do you know creative stuff that have a different outlook on life. Um, but I think speaking is like, is the, is the huge thing. And, you know, as you say, like chatting about your vulnerabilities and why you might think the way you think and act the way you act. Definitely. I think the more people talk, the, you know, the better society will become. Mm. And, you know, there is help out there for people if you need it. You know, I went to see a show the other night and the comedian basically was like, look, I was not in a great place. He was like, um, but there are people out there. He's like, getting on a waiting list. It, there's there's free help available. You might just have to wait a little while. Mm. Hopefully you can wait a little while. If you're able to afford it, there's really affordable, good therapy out there, you know, and worst, you know, not worst case scenario, but like there's, there's helplines you can call and stuff. So even if anyone that is listening to this is like, well, actually, you know what I mean, I don't know what to do. There is, there is help out there in various different forms um and hopefully you know yeah if everyone in, in in the world could could speak to someone then this world would be such a better place oh completely less dickheads <laughs> completely less dickheads lloyd top notch thank you so much for joining Mate, me Head thanks for having me i've loved it and there we have it that is the end of season eight of Headstrong. A huge, huge thank you to Lloyd for reaching out and joining me on this episode of the podcast. I really, really enjoyed reconnecting with Lloyd. And I think that the conversation was really, really engaging. And I hope that you, the listener, found it useful and helpful. It's really important to note that there is always someone there to talk to, be that professional help, your friends, your family, or indeed these helplines, which will be linked down below as well. If you have enjoyed the episode, and indeed the series, there are plenty of episodes in the back catalogue of Headstrong, with some wonderful guests, so please do go check it out. If you have enjoyed it as well, please do leave a review. Hit subscribe so you never miss another Headstrong episode again, and you will also get all the news on Headstrong if you go check out our social media at Headstrong Podcast. Until next time then, thank you so much to you, the listener, for listening to me ramble on with all these wonderful guests. I really appreciate your continued support. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 